I'm Natalie Liu, and you're listening to the Baggage Reclaim Sessions. Hello, hello. How are you doing? A quick heads up before I get into today's episode. Next month, so that's June 18th, 2022, in case you happen to be listening in the future, I am going to be recording an episode of this podcast in front of a studio audience. audience. Yes, people, I'm finally doing my first live show. I'm sure this would have happened if it wasn't for the fact that we've been in this pandemic for the past couple of years, but hey, it's finally happening. What I'm going to be doing is I will record the episode of the show and then for everybody who was there, there's going to be a Q&A. And that Q&A is not going to be part of the show. So it's exclusively for those who are in attendance. I know that we're going to have so much fun. Now, I don't have the booking link yet, but it will be available by the time the next episode comes out. So we'll be sure to mention it then. But in the meantime, if you're in or near London and you love the podcast, you love the blog, you love what I do, I would absolutely love it if you can come out and support. So please do save the date. All right, let's get into today's topic. So picture this. You've hit it off with someone and it feels like there's a mutual attraction. And then they say something that throws a spanner in the works. I'm not ready for a relationship. Maybe they say that they're still getting over a breakup, that they're focusing on supporting their mental health after a difficult time. Maybe they've joined a support program for, for example, addiction. And this requires their full attention and commitment, understandably. Perhaps there's just a lot of stuff going on. And they feel overwhelmed and they sense or know that they just don't have the bandwidth for a relationship at the moment. Whatever it is, they've said that they are not ready or that they can't do a relationship. Naturally, you're gutted. It's not often that you connect with someone like this and you don't feel as if it's one-sided you feel that you get on really well, that you've built up intimacy and this familiarity between you. And you don't understand how they can just let this go, how they can just walk away. At the same time, you do hear what this person is saying and you want to fully respect their position. You imagine yourself in their shoes and acknowledge that you wouldn't be ready either. You get it, or at least you do some of the time. But then maybe you're still in touch or you see each other because your neighbours or co-workers are in the same hobby club or friendship group. Each time you interact with this person, it reminds you of what a good connection you have. You find it hard to disconnect from those feelings and from the possibilities. To you, being around each other serves as a reminder that you could be so good together and you're convinced they feel it too. Maybe they're scared of how good it could be, you think to yourself. Maybe they don't realize how things would be so different with you. 
So you keep telling yourself that you respect their position, but find it hard to let go of the possibility that they will eventually be ready one day. Even though you're trying to slow your role and be boundaried, doing all the things you think you should be doing, given how they've said, you know, that they're not ready, like trying to accept that it's not happening and going on dating apps, you feel stuck. When it's straight off the bat or days, weeks, months, or even longer into a connection and attraction, hearing that the other person isn't ready for a relationship because of whatever they're going through takes the wind out of our sails. We feel hurt, confused and disappointed because of the gap between reality and our hopes and expectations. This isn't what we thought was going to happen. This isn't what we think should happen. What does it mean when someone says that they're not ready for a relationship? And should we wait around? Even if this person has some interest in us, by pumping the brakes on that possibility, so by saying, hey, I can't do a relationship right now. I'm not ready for a relationship. I've got this, this, that, and the other going on. It is, at best, a code amber alert that we need to stop, look, listen, and get grounded. We need to take our next steps with caution and awareness because what we have in mind is different from what's on theirs. We are not on the same page. And so right now, even if in our mind it's purely about the timing, we are not compatible. This person has, hopefully, done the truthful and respectful thing and they've let us know that they're not in a position to pursue something with us. And I say hopefully because, of course, there are some people who say this kind of thing and honestly, it's a line. It's a line they trot out again and again. Things start in a similar manner to what we experience with them And then it becomes, cue the violins, that they're not ready, they're going through a difficult time, they just need some space and time, they don't want to rush things, blah de blah de blah de blah And it turns out they never are ready. They've used this excuse many, many times in very similar situations. This is their way of downgrading whatever was going on. And then they capitalize on their knowledge of our feelings for them to enter into something casual and ambiguous. And then when we're all hurt and confused and questioning the mixed messages, they're like, baby, I told you, I'm not ready for a relationship. Or they're like, this is feeling like pressure. And I thought you understood that I'm going through a lot right now. Or maybe it's like, listen, If you can't handle this, just say, because I'm still not ready for a relationship. You hear? And let's say it's not a line. And hopefully it isn't. Someone else going through something similar who has less self-awareness or is looking to escape themselves would actually be processing or avoiding their situation 
while dragging us through the rigmarole of their uncertainty. So plenty of us, and I would be in there, have been involved with people who actually it's not a line in the sense of this is something that maybe they've said a number of times and they don't really mean it. They genuinely are going through something, but they also want the fringe benefits. So the sex, the ego stroke, a shoulder to lean on without the commitments. They want the fringe benefits of a relationship and they don't have enough self-awareness, self-knowledge, really that sort of sense of responsibility in the sense of, you know, being careful about what they say and do and recognizing how that impacts on others. And so they will say this stuff and then continue to think that they can process or avoid their situation while continuing to engage with us in this ambiguous way and basically dragging us through it. But let's assume that this person is telling the truth to the best of their abilities. We've actually been spared from going down what could be a very ambiguous or bumpy, painful path. It's now down to us to spare ourselves from any further heartache by accepting what they've told us, even though we wish things were how we want them to be. I think, though, what a lot of us struggle with in these situations is mixed messages. And mixed messages are a problem no matter what the situation. But I think that where a lot of people get caught out with dating, you know, with romantic relationships, is with somebody saying one thing and doing another. There can be this mismatch between what they've said and what they've previously or subsequently said or done. Or there can be a mismatch between what they've said and how we're reading their actions. Either way, the actions and words don't match. And that is a sign of a big problem. Unfortunately, what a lot of us do is this. When someone says what we want to hear, even though their actions are at odds with it, we focus on the words. Or when someone does things that fit with how we want to perceive them, even though they're saying something contradictory, we focus on the actions. But if actions and words don't match, we have a problem. If a person's actions and words aren't congruent, we don't get to cherry pick what we want to focus on. And that goes for us as well as for everyone else. We see this with our attitude to values, where we think we can just spout off whatever claims about what our values are or what we care about and the things that we're doing, and that we can also then do something that is entirely different. We also sometimes focus on our intentions instead of on the outcome and impact, including harm that we may have caused to others. And this is something that I talk about in episode 186, about how we have to wash our front and our back with our values. Interestingly, in that way that us humans can be, depending on how we want to see a person or how we feel about them, we might choose to focus on their actions and shoot down their intentions, 
even if we ourselves are someone who focuses on our good intentions. So when we do something wrong, it's like, yeah, but I had really, really good intentions. But when somebody else does something wrong, it's like, oh my God, you're this terrible person and I don't care about your intentions. Similarly, if we don't want to admit the truth about someone's behavior because, for instance, we're delaying on taking action and we are pursuing our agenda, we'll keep focusing on their good intentions, even if their actions and words contradict this. So we see this when (laughs) we give second, tenth and one hundredth chances to the person who screwed us over so many times. So here's the crack. If someone says they're not ready for a relationship, believe them. They've said it for a reason and have possibly shared those reasons. When we think that their actions say otherwise and are holding out hope that they'll change their mind, we need to have an honest conversation with ourselves about why that is. Are they saying something else or behaving in ways that contradict what they said. So are they saying things that create hope, that hint at possibilities, possibly while also reminding us that they don't want a relationship? Have they said that they don't want a relationship, but then are doing what we feel are relationshipy things? Or is it that us, continuing to spend time around this person is giving us false hope. Are we taking things that maybe they are not reading into and deciding that it means intimacy, attraction, and that we're building a bond with this person that must surely mean that we're destined to be together? All humans work off associations, so the mental connections we make between things. I say salt, you likely maybe think pepper. As I explained in episode 230, which I'll link to in the show notes, which will be at baggagereclaim.co.uk forward slash 262, we each store vast amount of information, the equivalent of billions of files. And of course, we are not consciously aware of what's in the overwhelming majority of these files. To make it easy to access the information contained within them that tells us what something is and how to physiologically and emotionally respond, we rely heavily on associations. As we filed information since we were in the womb and unconsciously until we were around like five, six, we can be sure that there's some misfiling in there due to misinterpretation, amongst other things. We have some false positives as well as some false negatives. When it comes to romantic relationships, something I've seen all too often is that we each have associations with what we infer as romantic interest and possibilities. A biggie, and I see this across all types of romantic relationships, is associating spending time around someone with whom we don't associate with friendship as a sign that they are romantically interested in us or that we would make a great couple. So for example, if we decide that people who we could potentially be romantically involved with don't talk to you, want to spend preferential time around you, so more time than they do around other people, unless they fancy you, 
we will see their behavior through the lens of flirtation, even if that isn't actually what they were doing. And this is where you get people using that awkward and sometimes crass saying of, you know, you led me on. If we are attracted to someone and in our mind, our interest is super obvious, even if it isn't. And we also tend to assume that there's a possibility of our feelings being reciprocated. We will see every interaction through that lens. So if we know that we become intense and try to spend as much time as possible around the person or that we're trying to be flirty, we might decide that the other person knows this even though they don't. If we don't believe that men and women can be friends or that people who share the same sexual orientation can't be, or we certainly assume that there's an element of sexual possibility, we will draw the conclusion that something is going on between us and that person, even if there isn't. Let's say we get on particularly well with someone. We might say then that the best relationships start with friendship. And then we might assume that this means that we're destined to be together and live happily ever after once we've overcome a series of obstacles and realized what was underneath our nose the entire time. We might associate attraction with being over someone. So reason that if someone has been for a breakup, but is showing signs of being attracted to and interested in us, then ipso facto, boom, they must be over their ex. We might, and again, I was super guilty of this in my old dating life, assume that someone only pursues you heavily or shows interest in you after their relationship has ended if they're also ready and wanting to be in a relationship with us. Just to be clear, that's not true. In my most popular tweet, I say, when someone likes you and genuinely wants to be with you, they don't burn up their energies trying to resist you. Plus, they won't leave it ambiguous and run the risk of losing you. They'll step up with consistent actions that match their words. You will feel and know their interest. If someone says they're not ready for a relationship, believe them. They've said it for a reason. We might not like or believe those reasons, but they've said it. Accepting their position, even though it differs from ours and creates disappointment now, is the way to go. We have to accept it without ifs, buts and maybes so that we grieve the loss of our hopes and expectations. Doing this also allows us to notice where we're breaking our own heart by not letting this person go or by being too caught up in our feelings and how we see things. We may well feel if we continue hanging out with this person that there's a buildup of this, you know, emotional intimacy and familiarity and enjoyment of, you know, each other's company, but we can't get carried away. Attraction aside, it may well be a sign of how well we get on in terms of friendship. It's also, let's keep it real here, our perception of the interaction. That doesn't mean that we don't get on with this person and that there aren't feelings between us and them, but we are biased to see and attribute additional meaning and value to the interactions and the relationship because we want more than is on offer. 
This person, though, isn't necessarily attributing that same meaning and value, especially because, say it with me, they're not emotionally available for the type of relationship we want. Their position, so them saying that they're not ready for a relationship, that they've got whatever it is that's going on, skews their meaning and behavior. Because of course, they're seeing everything through this lens of actually, I'm not ready for a relationship or I can't be in a relationship. Sometimes what a person needs when they are or have been through an intense level of emotional upheaval is nourishing safe relationships that let them be exactly as they are and that don't want them to be more than they can be and do. And if we have too much romantic feelings and intentions to be able to do this without also hurting ourselves in the process, we're actually allowed to step away. It feels icky and awkward in the short run, but it's far better than the discomfort and chaos and pain and resentment and frustration that will ensue otherwise. It's critical not to wait for this person as aside from it inadvertently creating pressure and expectations that they may not be able to live up to, we're also setting ourselves up for disappointment. Waiting, whether consciously or not, means that we hold out for something this person hasn't agreed to and that they might not become ready for. We are only human and we have our needs. The danger, though, with a situation like this, so one where one person is saying that they're not ready for a relationship and we're still hanging around, is that it can become confusing about what's driving the dynamic. This includes awareness of this person's vulnerability and struggle, there not being the current possibility of a relationship, and any similarities that this situation or even this person has with other situations and people from our past. So we have to be aware of where we get activated and hooked. And what I mean by this is, and I've talked about this in various episodes on, and on the blog, so I'll make sure I link to these. But activation is like where something or someone really unsettles, triggers something from the past. And then we go into this sort of sequence, this pattern. And being hooked in by something is... You know, and I talk about this actually in my first book in particular, Mr. Unavailable and the Fallback Girl. But hooks are those things that we latch onto that basically hook us into the idea of being in a relationship with someone. Sometimes the reason why we feel a strong connection is because of this person's struggles and how they allow us to play a role where we can attempt to meet old unmet needs from the past. Sometimes what activates and hooks us is the person rejecting us or not being available. So then we actually become invested in the chase. Whatever we have on file, you know, in our mental filing system of all those different experiences that we've had, this rejection pushes that button and we're like, oh, oh, this is my sign to try to play to win. And sometimes this person reminds us of someone and so we can see an opportunity for a do-over so that we get to right the wrongs of the past. Part of what can cause us to persist is that actually we imagine that if we were in a similar situation, we'd want someone else to come along and want to love us. 
we can't imagine why they're turning us away. There's also likely a part of us that wouldn't let something like not being over an ex get in the way of starting up something with someone else. We might reason, sure, aren't we all a bit hung up on an ex? And isn't the old adage to get over someone by getting on someone else? So this person being unwilling to blur the lines to just go ahead and proceed anyway can feel confusing. We might also take it as a bit of a slight. It's easy to justify to ourselves that the reason for our jumping from relationship to relationship without taking the time to get over our previous one is because, you know, the person, the connection, the attraction, the chemistry was just so special and so different and so great that it was too good an opportunity to walk away from. You know, love conquers all and all that jazz and can't let a good one get away and All anyone needs is the love of a good person, the right person, isn't it? Actually, mm, no. If what's in the way of this person being in a relationship with us is not being over their ex, time will reveal that. Time will tell. But it will still be on their time, not our schedule. We might have ideas about how long we think it will or should take. Uh, We're not this person. Every one of us has our personal relationship with grief and loss, including ungrieved grief, and our habits of responding to life's other inevitables, conflict, criticism, rejection, and disappointment. Our responses are not predictable and formulaic, and even if we think we've been Teflon-coated before, or that that thing is minor, or it took us, you know, such a shorter time before, good old professor life, as I like to call it, is not interested in our ego and predictions and wanting to control stuff. It will shake things up. So even though we might think we know this person and that there's so much potential, we actually don't really know what they're dealing with and how they're going about it. For all we know, they've managed to dodge the grief bullets so far, but this issue that stopped them from being ready for a relationship with us has cracked them wide open and forced them to face it. And guess what? If this person has said they're not ready, they don't need us hovering around going, are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? Pick me, pick me, pick me. Hurry the hell up and move on already. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, come on, come on, come on. They don't need us misinterpreting their good day or their good week as a sign for us to rub our hands together in glee in anticipation of them making a declaration. They need to deal or not deal, it's their prerogative after all, with their stuff without pressure. If we care about this person as much as we say we do, we can't put our agenda ahead of whatever they're going through and then call it something for the both of us. It isn't. It's it's our agenda. If we begin a relationship by ignoring what the other person has said or maybe even overriding their very real need to deal with something, that's not a good place to launch from. That decision will actually come back at us in other forms because how we do one thing is how we do others. Plus, what we ignore and dismiss in the early stages always comes back to bite. So we ignore what they say, we push ahead, they relent, and then weeks, months, or however long later, 
We're venting our frustration about why they don't deal with stuff or baffled as to why they're still affected by something that they didn't get to actually deal with. If we're still feeling super invested and stuck, it's worth asking our favorite question on this podcast. Yep, what's the baggage behind it? So where else have we felt, thought, and acted similarly? Who or what does this person remind us of? Because that will give us some clues about what's going on, including whether actually we're experiencing some activation here, whether something has been unsettled by us getting into this thing with this person. A friendship is a mutual relationship between friends. Of course, we can't just switch off our feelings, so we have a right to take whatever time and space we need. Let me say it again. We have a right to take whatever time and space we need. This person who's going through something, yes, we can be empathetic about it and we can be supportive without running ourselves over. We need to be able to take care of us as well. And if we can't do that and be there for that person in the way that they might be expecting from us and in a way that actually might not be Uh, I guess, respectful of the situation and they're actually asking too much of us, we have a right to say no to that. And we don't need to do it in a punitive way. And the fact that we need time and space isn't us being childish. It's not us being like, oh my gosh, you said you can't be ready for a relationship. So now I'm cutting you off. No, it's because we need time and space to grieve the loss of our hopes and expectations. If we continue to spend time around this person, though, we will need to step back a little and have an honest conversation with ourselves about whether we're in a position to spend time around this person at the moment and whether we can be their friend without having underlying hopes and expectations for it to turn into something else. If we can't, that's okay. It doesn't make us a bad person or a bad friend. It makes us human. We can then work out what capacity we're capable of engaging with them. We have to be mindful, not just of what they've said. Uh, I'm not ready for a relationship. I can't give you what you want. I can't be in a relationship right now. I've got too many things going on. I'm in a terrible place right now. Whatever it is. We have to be mindful of that, but also of our boundaries, our needs, desires, expectations, feelings, and opinions. We have to be aware of our intentions and motivations for doing stuff so that we don't sell us down the river or overstep this person's boundaries. A good place for us to check in with ourselves is whether we're saying that we respect this person's position while continuing to almost audition and showcase ourselves. And you see this a lot with people where they're like, oh, I'm saying that we're friends, but really what I'm doing is, you know, I'm showing them what it would be like if I were their girlfriend or their boyfriend or what it'd be like if we were married. (laughs) Please stop. Don't do that. We have to notice where we're dropping hints or where we feel as if we're doing something against our will. This is where we're almost going through the motions and play acting at respect in their position while quietly resenting that we have to do it in the first place and wishing we were doing something else. That's not good for anyone in this situation. If we truly want to respect this person's decision, their position, 
Even if initially it's through gritted teeth, we have to want to do the right thing by both parties, even though it feels uncomfortable and maybe even painful. We have to be boundaried. And this is where we choose to notice the difference between our thoughts, feelings, body, position versus theirs. And then we act from this place of how we want to feel and continue feeling and our values. This then means that by acknowledging our needs, by acknowledging who we are, our values, our boundaries, if being around this person puts us in a position of repeatedly violating ourselves, of repeatedly crossing our boundaries, we then know what we need to do. We can also acknowledge whether aspects of the relationship feed our hope because of boundaries that haven't been created yet. And then we can adjust. So for example, we don't need to be texting with this person all the time and doing relationshipy things with or for them. Ultimately, if actions and words aren't matching, we've got problems. But we can take very good care of ourselves and clean up our side of the street by matching our actions and words. If we say that we want to be in a mutually fulfilling, loving relationship, hanging around, waiting on someone to become available isn't congruent with that. It is disappointing when someone isn't ready to be in a relationship with us, especially as it's like the feelings are there, but the timing is crap. But if they're not on the same page, their admission is a code amber alert that we need to stop, look, listen and proceed with self-love, self-care, self-trust and self-respect. Because unlike them who gets to say that they're not ready to be in a relationship with us, we don't get to decide when we're ready to be in a relationship with ourselves. We already are. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time and take care of you. Thanks so much for listening to the Baggage Reclaim Sessions. If you'd like to say hi or you want to let me know what you thought of an episode or of the show in general, or you'd like to suggest a topic, the best place to get a hold of me is on Instagram. I'm at NatLu. That's N-A-T-L-U-E. You can find links to it and my other social channels in the show notes at baggagereclaim.co.uk forward slash 262. There is a full list of episodes at baggagereclaim.co.uk forward slash podcast. And if you've enjoyed the show and you haven't done so already, I would love it if you could subscribe in whichever podcast player that you're listening in. And if you could take another moment to rate and review the show, that would also be fab because it all helps with spreading the word. The Baggage Reclaim Sessions doesn't feature external advertising. So... If you're enjoying what I share on here and you'd like to support, you can do so by checking out the blog. I have classes, I have courses, and I've also got my books and audio series. And you can find all of these on the main website at baggagereclaim.co.uk or .com. 